Back in 1986, homicide rates were rising, Ronald Reagan was president, and hysteria started to emerge over America's growing problem with crack cocaine. For many Americans, crack has crystallized a national perception of a growing drug abuse epidemic. Len Bias died of an apparent heart attack today at Leland Memorial Hospital in Prince George's County. Say yes to your life. And when it comes to drugs and alcohol, just say no. That fall, Joe Biden, then a 44-year-old senator from Delaware, introduced a bill to address the rising rates of crack use, the 1986 Anti-Drug Abuse Act. Brianna Ely, a healthcare reporter for Politico, says that bill would leave a lasting, disproportionate impact on black and brown communities. This legislation actually played a huge role in crafting drug policy in the U.S. for decades to come. Um, And he's actually received quite a bit of criticism for this legislation. Uh, Basically, there was one provision in there that's had a lasting effect. It included um, imposing significantly harsher penalties on offenders using crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. And that disproportionately impacted African-Americans. And so justice advocates say that policy helped fuel racial disparities in America's criminal justice system. I'm Olivia Rheingold. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, we're talking about how Biden went from here on drug policy in the 80s and 90s. The president says he wants to wage a war on drugs. But if that's true, what we need is another D-Day, not another Vietnam, not another limited war fought on the cheap and destined for stalemate and human tragedy to calling his 1986 legislation a profound mistake and campaigning for more treatment over prosecutions. And no more jail time for addiction. You go into mandatory treatment. Build more treatment facilities. Brianna says a 21st century Biden is now trying to push legislation and solutions that undo his Senate legacy on drugs. So back in the 80s, Biden's drug policy, you know, really was criminal justice focused and imposed higher penalties on drug offenses. Now he wants to reverse that completely um, and he wants to completely get rid of drug offenses for drug use alone. So he's emphasized the use of drug courts to divert people into treatment and away from the criminal justice system. But yeah, we've seen a complete reversal Um, on the criminal justice component. He is also very supportive of investments in treatment and prevention. Um, We see a lot of that in his plan, so it'll be interesting to see how he actually carries that out. Let's flash forward to about 2010. The country starts to deal with a new problem, opioids. A report filed with the Lawrence County Sheriff's Department says a large amount of drugs, including morphine and fentanyl, were stolen from the Lawrence County EMS station in Proctorville. Whether it's coming to school when their parent just passed away, or maybe even sometimes worse than that, coming to school when their house was raided the night before and their parents were taken away. By April of 2019, when Biden entered the presidential race, The U.S. was dealing with an influx of synthetic opioids, mostly from China. About 130 Americans were dying every day from opioid overdoses, mostly because of drugs like fentanyl, which can be 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. So 
Brianna, Biden's plan to combat this problem has an enormous price tag and comes with promises like making medication-assisted treatment like methadone available to everyone who needs it by 2025. Um, I'm wondering if you can explain that for me a little bit. Yes. So he's proposed investing a record $125 billion into addressing drug addiction. This would go toward treatment, prevention. And to put that in perspective, the Trump administration has invested more money in addressing drug addiction than any other administration. And right now that sits at about $21 billion over three years. So $125 billion would be remarkable. Um, Biden has said he'd pay for this plan by taxing pharma company profits. It's hard to see something like that getting approved, especially because pharma has a notoriously powerful lobbying presence on Capitol Hill. Um, But setting all of that aside, addressing drug addiction is a bipartisan issue. It affects every state. So it is likely that Congress will continue adding investments in this response. Will we see 125 billion? I don't know about that, but we can expect new money for sure. Okay. Um, And I know his son, Hunter, came up um, a few times during the campaign, sometimes because of his past struggles with drug abuse. Um, I'm wondering, how did Biden talk about that leading up to the election? And how does he say that informed his approach to drug policy? Yeah, um, President-elect Biden took a really personal tone, you know, talking about his son Hunter's experience with addiction. And I think that really humanized him and personalized the issue. My son, and he didn't have a job. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's, he's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And I'm proud of him. But why was Advocates that I've talked to were really encouraged to hear him speak about addiction as an illness and not a moral failing. And as we all know, it's taken decades to get that messaging to shift. And I think it also just speaks to Biden's own evolution on this policy. Um, you can see it when looking through his plans. It's very public health focused, not as much criminal justice side as it was in the past. There's investments for treatment and including the goal of having universal access to medication assisted treatment. This is medication that's considered the gold standard of care for addressing addiction. Um, he wants that by 2025. That's huge. Again, whether that's actually something that can be accomplished, I'm not sure. But but the fact that he is thinking about this has really been encouraging to policy folks. Okay. And speaking of that balance between criminal justice and looking at this as a public health problem, I know that President Trump has fallen more on the law enforcement side of this. So yeah, tell me about how Biden's approach compares. Yeah. So as you said, that's exactly right. Um, Trump has kind of focused more heavily on the law enforcement side, um, specifically around messaging. You know, earlier last year, he he proposed the idea of imposing the death penalty for drug dealers. This is completely opposite of what we're hearing from the Biden team. Um, again, Biden wants to get rid of criminal penalties for any drug possession um, so, so I think we're going to see a, a very focused approach on the public health side, though talking to Biden's transition team, they obviously recognize there is a huge and important component to measuring the supply side of things and making sure that we're still, um, you know, focused on curbing the, the flow of illicit fentanyl from China 
and of course heroin at the southern border. So they will be, they're not going to drop the law enforcement and interdiction work, um, but they do have a heavier hand on the public health focus. So lastly, I'm wondering if you can tell me about the situation Biden will inherit when he takes office in January. Where does the drug crisis stand? Um, So unfortunately, the drug crisis has gotten much worse amid the coronavirus pandemic. Drug overdoses are spiking during the coronavirus pandemic. The layoffs, the financial pressure. COVID isn't just affecting people who die. It's also affecting the living. Um, many of the national response efforts that were put were put on hold this spring as public health departments had to shift to responding to the COVID emergency. So a lot of the work that the Trump administration has put in place actually kind of is at a standstill. Um, social isolation, lockdowns are a disaster for people struggling with addiction issues. So we've really seen this pandemic exacerbate the opioid crisis, the drug addiction crisis more broadly. Um, So right now the CDC has come out with data just showing the first four months of 2020 and we're on track right now to hitting over 78,000 deaths. And just to put that in perspective, the peak is currently 72,000 deaths hit in 2019. So we're on a really, really grim trajectory right now. Wow. Well, that's a a hard note to end on, but Thank you for, thanks for talking to us today. Thanks for having me. That was Politico healthcare reporter Brianna Ely. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app and by telling a friend to check out the show. I'm Olivia Reingold. Thanks for listening.